They put on the helmet and pads. Picked off by Jonathan Joseph. The Texans go in front. And make the big plays. Sacked again by Whitney Merciless. His second of the game. Now it's time for Texans players to take you inside the game. But as a player, you got to use the little things and the details. And they'll take you outside the white lines, too. Bread pudding, apple pie and ice cream, peach cobbler, or sweet potato casserole. Yeah. Welcome to the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show. Live from Fuddruckers with your hosts, Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty. Here we are, Fuddruckers. Yes, 59 Greenway location. If you are within the sound of my voice, come on by. Clint Sterner is here, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Clint. <laughs> of course, we have Drew and DP here as well, but it's Clint's first visit here on Sports Radio 610. Oh, no, he's on the afternoon show. But it is your first visit on Texans Radio, the Fuddruckers Texans Player Show, because you're with Johnny on Wednesday nights doing that segment. I love it. You breaking down the, the film. Yeah, look, anytime I can get with John Harris and talk a little ball, I, 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 um, I, I'm ready. I'm locked and loaded. So thank you guys for having me. I've been here to, to watch the show a few times. The food's obviously great. The the insight's obviously great, so I appreciate you guys allowing me to sit up here with you and break a little bread. Well, I love having you here because we know that professionally you played for a team that we really don't talk about much here on Texas Radio, <laughs> but, but I said it before, you are a Texan, my friend, yes, and, sir. and you're with us, you're on the flagship station, you're doing the post-game show, uh, you really follow this team so closely, yep. and your insight is valuable. And Baytown Lee, I mean, come on. You're a, you're a Texan. You're a Houston Texan. I, I catch a lot of grief for, for the team that I picked up a check from for a few years. But, uh, you know, I, I grew up just obviously just east of here. I grew up. I, I, I didn't. I was on the south side of the tracks. Mom and dad didn't have tickets to the Oilers or, or Astros or anybody. But I had a, a couple of uncles that did pretty well and, and brought me to a couple of Astro, Astros games and a couple of Oilers games, so so I've sat in the seat and and uh, that that everybody in Houston has sat in the Astrodome back in the day with the Astros and the Oilers, and uh, so yeah, man, born and raised right here, right here in in the uh, on the outskirts of the city for sure. What is it like in Baytown for the locals? Is there a feeling of of being unappreciated by the rest of Houston, or what, what is the vibe there in Baytown? Some, I've talked to people from Baytown in the past who feel like yeah, we're part of Houston, but sometimes. There's this sort of disconnect, if you will. And I really feel like that's, that's almost real Houston when you talk about the hard work that's being done on the east side yeah. of town, if you will. Not, you know, I mean, I don't, I've never got that feeling before. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a true blue-collar town um, with, with a lot of easygoing, um, hard-working individuals, man. I mean, I, I, I never got the, the, uh, the feeling that, that uh, we were on the outside looking in or anything like that, and, and, but, but it's... It is its own little world there, obviously, with, with the majority of, of – when I was growing up, it was the majority of dads, you know, working in the chemical plants. Uh, as I got into high school, a lot of the mothers started working in chemical plants. A lot of the girls that I went to high school working in the chemical plants there. And so, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's – um, I mean, people that, that were born and raised there and, and, and reside there now and work there – Make a dang good living because of them chemical plants, man. And so uh, it, it's it's I left and unfortunately lost my brother when I was gone. And so it's one of those where I wanted to get back to my family. Yeah. Um, and and the, the family ties was obviously why I came back. But then it was, um, man, I, I like I like living here. I like living there. I like I, I love being back uh, in the Houston area and truly living here because I hadn't lived here since uh, since my high school days. So. 
Uh, good to be back and and good timing too. Texans are doing pretty good. Yeah, I mean you're the perfect guy to have on this show tonight because of the Houston connection, Baytown connection, and sure. you played a little European football too. You played overseas, so I mean this is I did. We're gonna be able to. We got to get some stories <laughs> from you about that a little later. Maybe not London itself, but. Clint, you've been around the world. I mean, this is a this is a perfect scenario, right? Yeah, you know, it kills me all the time. I hear like Kurt Warner and those guys talk about being journeyman quarterbacks because they played for three different NFL teams. I go, wait a minute, I got yeah. two arena league teams, three arena league teams. I've got two NFL teams. I've got two European teams. So uh, I, I was a true journeyman as far as being able to bounce around and learn a lot of the the, the game of football from different people you know i mean I, I train a lot of quarterback young quarterbacks i do a lot of tv and a lot of radio and i think part of of why i'm able to do those things is because i was able to play for so many different coaches that were really really good at the pro and college level and so yeah, you're uh, well I, you're well read when it comes to football well, knowledge you know i don't yeah well well-rounded i don't know how much of it was good stuff you know because <laughs> there were some bad teams that i played for but um, that there's definitely different points of view, different perspectives of the game, uh, different countries, different different leagues. I mean, just a lot of different angles to to, I guess, tear apart four panels and eight laces. At the end of the day, you know, it's it's a football and it's about throwing and catching. And um, I, I've I've seen it from on several different fields and and heard it. Uh, from several different minds. When you see these NFL teams go over to London and play these games, yeah. does it make you feel a little bit? jealous that that wasn't something that you were able to do back in the day or are you glad that that wasn't around when you were playing in the NFL? Well no we did actually I, so I played in Tokyo we played the Raiders in Tokyo. Wow. Oh you did? Um, we played the Raiders one year in in um, Mexico City. That was uh, a, that was quite a while ago and then they what, what, what year wait, was? Wait wait wait. Okay I, sorry I, I didn't mean to date you. I didn't mean to date you. I didn't mean to date you. What year was Tokyo by the way? Good gosh! I don't. It had to be between 2000 and and uh, 05, so it had yeah, to be in there somewhere. They were still doing that, and Mexico City was a preseason game, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So they, they weren't. They, none of them were. I don't believe any of them were were regular. They weren't season regular games. season no, games right. at the time. They they were truly um, preseason games, and it was when the whole you know trying to sell the NFL globally essentially is what was going on, and um, part of it was NFL Europe, which I played in, and then part of it was. Uh, the preseason games in different countries. What do you make of uh, Tokyo memory-wise? How do you recall that, and how many days before you played yeah. did you get there? Do you remember anything about that experience? Yeah, I'll I tell you what I remember about I, I can sum them all up, is that, that uh, I, I was thankful to be from right here in, in the good old USA, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't wait to get back here and kiss the ground that we walk on. But But Tokyo was a really cool place. I mean, just from a standpoint of I'd never been in a place where truly – the, the language barrier was a problem for me. I understand that people come to America and they have that problem, but I, I mean, literally talking to, we're in a taxi cab. Me, Jackie Harris, the old tight end, um, and, and uh, Randall Cunningham, right? And Randall Cunningham was a really good friend of mine when I was, when I was with the Cowboys, and or I was there longer than he was, but we had, a, we had a really, really good relationship. And we're in a taxi cab. Right after we'd gotten there, we'd gone to the electronic district. And we jumped in a cab to come back to the hotel and to the point we hadn't even exchanged our, our money yet. Mm-hmm. Or I hadn't. Right. Well, uh-huh. Jackie and Randall knew that. So as soon as we got to the hotel, they jump out and run. And I'm sitting there with this. <laughs> I can't. I, I, we don't. There's a language barrier, clearly. And I have yeah. nothing but American money. And he's going, That's man, I, I'm not taking that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, everything was the, from the way that what you have to eat, obviously, to your transportation, to the language barrier, to the, there, obviously there's a language barrier. And then this gibberish that I speak, you know, they, they even look at me uh, crazier. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was a really cool, really cool uh, experience. Look, guys, I mean, the, the game, of, I would have never left 
the state of Texas if it wasn't for football. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I'd left it once before. My mom took us. My mom loaded all the all of us up and took us took me to Mobile, Alabama for some reason because a friend of hers owned a, a house down there for something. And we show up and there's jellyfish all over the this the lawn of these houses because it was right on the water oh, like boy. literally where you couldn't walk if you didn't have shoes on and so that was a miserable time away from the state of texas so i'm like i'm never leaving again and then football <laughs> took me uh you know to different countries and and different states obviously and and uh tokyo so yeah it was it was crazy that is it's so interesting really all right so let's get a little bit into the current situation with the texans and i want to dive deeper into your background clint clint sterner with us on the fudruckers texans players show by week edition by the way, next week we'll be at Stafford with Whitney Merciless as we get back into the regular season games with the Ravens a week from Sunday. But what do you make of where this team is at right now? After beating the Raiders and the Jaguars, and Raiders bounced back from that loss with a win over the Lions, good for them. Uh, but you beat the Jaguars, a team that was actually playing pretty well. I know the competition wasn't unbelievable, but they were running the ball well. They were functioning well, and you made them function very badly on Sunday. Well, Jacksonville's a scary team simply because they're a power-running football team, and if they can establish that, I mean, obviously you go in and you hope you can stop the run. Uh, some, some teams do, some teams don't, but, but if you don't, then you're really in trouble because now they can throw the ball over the top. They can do a lot of different things, so it was absolutely paramount that the Texans go in and stop the, the, the rush, the run game, and, and uh, you think, well, the Texans have been pretty good. Well, this is the first game they've had to do it without 99. This is right. the first game they've had to do it without J.J. Watt. Uh, and, and, I, and I've been saying this all along, man, is you don't, you don't stop the run with one guy. As great as J.J. Watt is, one of the best players to ever, ever lace them up. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but the Texans have been great versus the run because they are very, very good in the front. We, we always say front seven, but in today's game with the spread game, it's really a front six a lot of times. Um, but whether it's five, six, or seven guys – uh, the Texans are really, really good at stopping the run. They've proven that over and over and over again. This week was no different. Uh, there was obviously a question mark. Could you do it without 99? Could you do it without J.J. Watt? They did it. And when you can do that versus Jacksonville, you make them one, one, one-handed, one-sided, uh, they're, they're just not – they don't have a chance offensively. And, and the Texans did a heck of a job of shutting them down. There was a lot of talk about Gardner Minshew before the game, so much so that yeah. I feel like – nationally, people were more focused on Gardner Minshew's ascent than what Deshaun Watson was able to do. Did you sort of see that bubble bursting the way it did? Does it surprise you at all at how things sort of turned? Now they've named Nick Foles as their starter right. for the rest of, I guess, from week 11 on. Uh, what did you think of how, what he had done so well, far? Well, I mean, I think when you watch Gardner Minshew play, you've got to respect his, his, his ability to play the game and, and, and his playmaking ability, but... The, the running around outside the pocket and, and, and playing off script is, is not the way to win football games consistently. It's not the way to build um, a, a, the winning ways and to make a run into the playoffs. And, and that's how he was winning. And, and why you admire it and you respect it because, quite frankly, their offense, when they can't run the ball, when you stop Leonard Fournette, they don't have a lot of weapons. And so it, the quarterback has to run around and make plays. But, but you can't – when you're – offensively, you want to, to – you want to look at the game film and you want to see something that you can duplicate week in, week out, right? And 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 then, um, you know, the all script stuff is just a plus. It's it's a it's a it's a an added advantage, so to speak. But when all you do is is scrambling outside the pocket and throw throw in a busted coverage, you're not going to win playing ball like that. So I knew Gardner Minshew. I knew that that Foles was was going to be a better option than Gardner Minshew once he came back. If you're talking about playing quality, efficient, clean football. 
uh, Foles is is the guy. It's not it's not even a conversation. It's not about benching a guy. It's it's about this guy is our backup. He's a rookie, and Foles is our starter. Well, it seemed like it was up for discussion before sure. Sunday's game. Sure. Well, it seemed hype, like it was a big dilemma. The hype yeah. is real. Right. <laughs> and the hype is gone now. So how about Deshaun Watson? I know you're, you're high on him coming into the season. Where has he grown the most in your eyes through these nine games? I think command of the, the offense and, and, and command of the position. You know, I, I think you, Deshaun Watson's obviously a very coachable young fellow, and, and um, you can sit down and tell a guy, like, hey, you know, th- this is the better – this is the quicker throw, and if you throw it here, then the offensive line doesn't have to work as hard, and then you don't get hit as much. And you can you can have that conversation with a quarterback. But when they've done, they've had so much success uh, playing off script, and they and, and and then you look out there and you got DeAndre Hopkins who can go get any ball, just throw it to him. Doesn't matter if he's covered or not. Um, it's hard to uh, to get on the field and really get through to that quarterback. Of man, there's an easier way to play this game. You can protect your offensive line. You, you can protect your defense with eight-minute-plus drives and 14-play drives. You, there, Which we've seen quite a bit of right, in the last month. Right, and that's where they've grown. Is, is yeah. I, There was a play in the Atlanta game where there's a middle safety and a, right in the dead in the middle of the field, and there's a corner that was pressed up on Hopkins. And, and nine times out of ten, uh, Deshaun Watson takes that snap and throws a go route to Hopkins nine times out of ten, and I don't know that anybody could blame him. But that was the one time that he takes a snap, he throws it to Aikens out the front door, Aikens catches it and goes 19. And when I saw that on film, I immediately said, Deshaun's turned the corner. He, he's <laughs> From a maturity and development side, he didn't take that bait. Because defenses want you, as good as Hopkins is, defenses want you to throw that go route because it's low percentage. Yeah, it's as not good, as sure a throw as the one to Aikens. As yeah. good as they are, it takes a perfect throw and the perfect timing and a perfect catch to complete it. Where Aikens... I could do it right now, and I'm knocking on 42 years old, and I'm not sure my <laughs> knees would keep up. But I could throw that ball to Aikens, and I could get that 19-yard gain with Aikens. And, and, when and you Clint's s- wearing a sport coat, as he says it. <laughs> Even in his blazer, he could do it. <laughs> well, when, so when you see, like, it's one thing to tell Deshaun that, and it's one thing for Deshaun to go, Coach, I understand. But when Deshaun does it in the game, and he does it over and over for four quarters against Atlanta, and they turn that game film on on Monday afternoon or, or whenever they watch the film, and you, and you can literally see a game where you dominated – Start to finish, uh, you got seven or eight different receivers had catches. Um, you're not near as sore as you were before. The coach hasn't yelled at many guys in the, on the offensive side of the ball. The the offensive line didn't give up four or five or six sacks, and then all of a sudden now you're a believer. You know now now you've changed your style, and the team is significantly better because of it. So I said this a long time ago, guys. In my opinion, less is more. I know we got we got enamored with the the the, the uh, Fuller throws over the top when, when Deshaun first became the starter and all these real highlight-type plays that Deshaun was making. I was like, man, it's fun, but less is more. you got to limit the times that you're put in those positions where you got to go be Superman. Mm-hmm. you got to limit those times, and you're playing better football when you do. Clint Sterner is with us. Fuddruckers, Texans Player Show, bi-week edition, Greenway location, 59 and Wesleyan. So come on by, and we'll do Texans All Access here at 7 to talk about the London game, the bye, the Ravens game coming up. More on the Ravens with Clint. And also a little bit about his background and an event he participated in as a player against the Texans, which I think needs to happen. Again, we'll tell you what that is. It's Texans Radio. <laughs> Keep it here for more of the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show right here on Texans Radio. There's a chance your local GEICO agent owns the same designer dog breed as you. Wait, you 
own a Bawawa too. Half bulldog, half Chihuahua, 100% lovable. Oh yeah. So many wrinkles, such a tiny face. But there's a better chance your local Geico agent could help you out with auto, homeowners, renters, or condo insurance, motorcycle, boat, or RV insurance too. They'll work hard to provide sound advice and significant savings. You don't need a chic, wrinkle-faced pup to do that. Local Geico agents. Call or visit yours today. This season, you can share a Coke with your team on it. So I'm going to tell you how with a little help from this quarterback. Sally, 44. You can share a Coke when your team's up. Red Poncho. You can share a Coke when your team's down. Happy Jolly. You can even share a Coke with your rival on game day. Chili, chili, chili. Or you can share a Coke when you're giving out your famous guacamole recipe in a completely packed stadium. Cilantro, chopped onion, squeeze a lime, rum and tomato, hike. Share a Coke with a fan this season. Ice cold, delicious. Now back to Fuddruckers for more of the Texans Players Show. We're back, Fuddruckers, 59 and Wesleyan, Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty, DP Sudo, and Clint Sterner is our guest for this bi-week edition of the program. And Clint, a little bit more on you. I mentioned it before the break, pay off the teeth, Mark, that you participated in an event against the Texans. So when you're with that team in the DFW area, there was a scrimmage at the Alamo Dome. I know there was the one at Robertson Stadium the year before. Drew guessed it was that one. I don't want to talk about Robertson Stadium right now because it no longer exists, although you could do that at U of H. But I think that, I think that this, is a, this is something you could start up again. At the Alamo Dome, Texans, Cowboys, that was awesome. In 2003, I remember that vividly. It was a pretty cool event. You guys used to have training camp there, right? Yeah, we had training camp there in San Antonio, and, and uh, it, was, it was welcomed because before we were up in, uh, golly, what was that hot, hot Wichita spot? Falls. Wichita Falls. Midwestern Hottest State. place in America, by the way. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Like microwave hot. Not around here like humid. It's hot. It's 110. Yeah. Like microwave hot. You step out of the shade, and it just lights you on fire. Um, but we were in San Antonio, yeah, so the, the dome was nice. But, you know, that, the crazy thing is, is I remember that vividly because that's when the game slowed down for me. L- okay. little, little too late, a little too late in my career for that to happen. <laughs> Better late than never. But, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd always heard quarterbacks talk about the game slowing down, and I was like, man, it's really moving fast for me, but I guess this is, this is the slowed down version. And then when we played the Texans that year, we scrimmaged against the Texans that year in, uh, in, in San Antonio. I got Bill Parcells was, was the coach, and – um, I believe that was the year, right? Was was Bill the guy then? Yep. yep. And 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 uh, he didn't believe in first, second, and third strings throughout training camp. He believed in if somebody messed up, get out, and next guy get in, kind of deal. Right. And so I I got a lot of reps with the ones. So Jason Witten and uh, uh, Joey Galloway and and Rocket Ishmael and and really really good really good skilled guys and some pretty good offensive linemen as well. And so I realized, man, the game's a lot easier to play quarterback when you've got really good players around you and you're not, you're not trying to make the team in the fourth quarter of a preseason game, you know. And so it really slowed down for me right then and there. It, was not, it had nothing to do with the Texans. It was more to do with I was getting reps with the number one unit. So wow. it, 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 it was, it, I agree with you. San Antonio, that would be, that would be a, an unbelievable environment to have, a, a, whether it was just a scrimmage or an inter-squad screen. You know, I don't yeah. know, what, what do you call it? The, um, Controlled. The, well, joint, pra- joint, joint practices. practices, you know, something like that would be really, really cool. Well, I think that if they go to 17 games and reduce preseason games, they're going to have to do some stuff like this. Yeah. So maybe that materializes. I think it's good for both franchises to be in San Antonio. I know the Cowboys have a lot of fans there, but the Texans are certainly gaining a lot of ground. Mark, we did a we did I was with the SEC Network two years ago, mm-hmm. and and we we're going to call the Arkansas Spring Game. 
Okay. And a storm comes rolling in. And so they, they cancel the game outdoors. They move everything to the indoor facility. Obviously, there's no fans, and you can't play a real game because it's, it's an indoor facility. Well, as the SEC Network, they said, look, we'll give you all access on the field with us, and we'll essentially we'll end up scrimmaging at the end, but we'll do different drills, and you can come over and talk to that position coach and interview them. And it was the coolest thing ever. So when I heard you talking about joint practices and televising them, right. it's immediately what I thought. I, can't, I mean, I'm sitting there watching the receivers do something as simple as a, a release drill. And yep. could you, in my mind, when you said that, I'm thinking, could you imagine it would be must-see TV if I could sit here and watch Will Fuller work his releases versus man-to-man? And if I could then watch, here comes Nuke Hopkins jumping into the picture and watch him work an inside release versus yep. man-to-man. And then, and then you could even have Andre Johnson go, hey, Andre, what are they working right here, man? And he could talk about the hands. Um, and you could do that with every different position. It, it was a, it, that was a really good idea that you had, and it's a lot like what we did up there, man. That would be must-see TV. Bill O'Brien even said that if the schedule expands to 17 games, that what people might want to see, what he would like to see, is in these joint practices, the drills like wide receivers versus yep. DBs, offensive linemen versus defensive linemen, just see the, the, the one-on-one drills. Yep. That people would pay to see that. No doubt. And they would love to see that on a prime I time. Wonder, do, you though, see that, do you see the game even ever moving towards something like that? Yes, I do. And I, I think it's it, depending on how quick it moves that direction mm-hmm. is, is will guys like coaches like Bill O'Brien, will, will he open up a little bit? Because you, you, it's not just open access. But, boy, if Bill O'Brien it really opens up and you see that personality, which you guys see more than anybody, but, but we see every now and then. Boy, if he really opens up and, and then he becomes must-see TV with it and he becomes part of the – of the production, uh, which may be a little bit of a stretch for Coach O'Brien. I've seen him, I've seen him coach, but I, I just think that's the way that it's going. The, the more success you have with these young coaches getting in the league, that they'll, they'll, mic, they'll let you mic them up in the middle of a game. That's the key. you got to have more of them yep. because we saw Sean McVay mic'd up during the preseason, yep. early on in the preseason, and it was, like you guys say, it was must-see TV. It was amazing. And then it got shut down the rest of the way. Yeah, and there's, he knows there's that, too many old yeah. coaches in the league that don't want to give away secrets. They think it's, it, you know, there's come. too much that's going to get out. But I think the more you see young guys like that who are more I mean, open-minded to things, think yeah, about baseball. Think about baseball. Yeah, they they had A.J. Are... Hinch on, on the, uh, with a headset <laughs> in the World, in the World Series, Series yeah. with one out in the third inning. You're Bananas. going, what's going on here? So if, if, they, if they'll do that in baseball in the World Series, surely we can get some joint practices to open up here. Yeah, it's funny with the coaches, though, because in the preseason games, that's one thing. Everybody sees that. But people don't really see your training camp tape, right, yeah. from other teams. And that's where you see if a Vincent Smith or a receiver who might materialize into something, how he's doing it every day, right? And so you wonder, like, when the practices are open, are they sending imposter uh, scouts from other teams dressed in Texans gear to check out your players? Probably not, although I wouldn't put it past them. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. A little bit more on that um, on that particular scrimmage that day. A quarterback, a young quarterback, was trying to make the roster named Tony Romo, yeah. and he was undrafted out of Eastern Illinois, and what are your first uh, recollections of him when you first saw Romo show up on Cowboy campus? And what did you think? Where did you think it was going? Well, when he first walked in, I was like, who is this guy? It looks like I'm going to have a job for another year. You know? <laughs> it was one of those. Like, I mean, he's just real unassuming. He's kind of a quiet guy. Um, it just didn't – there's not a lot there. You know, you know, he didn't walk in at like 6'5", and you go, oh, I'm in real – I'm in trouble. This, this, right. this guy here looks the part. Um, but it took – we're in – San Antonio it was, and, and Parcells comes over to me. And I, it was the best ball I'd ever been, I'd ever played, uh, and he essentially tells me that they're gonna they're gonna release me, and um, 
He said, I, I got to get this young guy some reps, and, and it's your reps that he's going to get. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks, Coach. You know, <laughs> kind of one of those where if I'd have been – if I, if me now would not have been able to handle it, but as a young man, I was like, okay, yes, sir. And then I go stand behind the huddle, and I watch Romo take the first ball he threw. I was like, my days are done. I, really? I mean, yeah, I mean, his, his ability to process pre-snap and post-snap and then his ability to anticipate – and, and he threw the first ball he threw. I was like, where in the heck is this guy throwing the ball? And about that time, a, a receiver just comes out from behind a linebacker and catches it in, in stride and, and cuts up field for 20 yards. And you go, huh, I may have done that <laughs> twice in my career. He just was one for one in, in his first reps. So, yeah, he was – once you saw him throw a ball, you knew he was going to be special. With that being said, with Tony Romo doing these game broadcasts, Mark and I had this discussion, I guess, when he started. Mark did yeah. not like – that Tony Romo was predicting what was happening on every play. He said, people want to see it play out. I said, no, they don't, Mark. It's like a magician. <laughs> they want to see him predict that the field goal is going to pull left or whatever because I don't know how he knows that. But when you watch him, is it something that you, you know any former fo- quarterback would be able to do what he no, does and break down no. tape? Or is he on another level he, of understanding the game? He's on another whole other level. Right, I mean, he, he's so even just, you're like a, a guy like you who's played football with him is impressed by what he's able to do. Blown away with what he's able to do. Like, like I, I could, I could, I understand why how he's doing it. More, most people can't even understand how he's doing it. Like, I understand that if a team comes into the game, they are like right now the Texans are an, are an RP. They're they're heavy RPO right now. Well, if if I were in the game, I would be studying. RP, like why is why is Deshaun Watson pulling the ball and throwing it to fails here because he's reading that defensive end and if the defensive end is is if the tight end's the opposite of him then you know that the the short side defensive end is the one that they're reading I can see as a former quarterback how quarterbacks could sit there and look at it and go yeah I know what they're fixing to do they're going to run weak or they're going to run strong or they're going to throw it here or throw it there but to do it within a matter of 10 seconds and, and to be right as, as, as many times as he is, because it's still a guessing game, but he is right 99% of the time. It, the fact that he processes it that quick and is that accurate with it is, is what makes him so elite. The fact that somebody can sit there and go, well, I think they're fixing to run it weak. Or they're gonna, I could do that. But you have to slow the film down a little bit. I can't do it on, on a 30-second clock. Yeah. But, but, his, I mean, he, but he's a, he's a, he was a football nerd. Yeah, I mean, he was ate up with it. Like, I had to go. Okay, Clint, I'm going to watch film for an hour today and see if I can figure anything out. Romo would sit there and not realize he was already three hours in and going, "Boy, this is great stuff." I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, "Now nah, get me out of here, man. Let's let's go. Let's go have a pop." He doesn't have your pipes, though. All right, Clint Sterner's <laughs> with us. Fudruckers Texans Player Show Bye Week Edition. Next up, questions from the crowd, and maybe Drew will tell his Tony Romo's youth story a sure. little bit later. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty good it's a fun one, one, actually. Uh, I don't know why we're talking about Romo. You're going for the Cowboys. But he's on CBS television with Nance, who's a Houstonian. So there, it's Texans Radio. The Big Finish is up next. The Fuddruckers Texans Players Show continues in a moment. We're back with more of the Texans Players Show, live from Fuddruckers. You better believe it, baby. Bye week edition, six and three Texans on their way into an off weekend. Then Baltimore one week from Sunday in Maryland. Noon kick for that. No flex scheduling to Sunday night. That game stays at noon. 
because Chicago's playing the Rams on Sunday night, and I think they want that one. Also, did they the, already just? So you can't move it now. Can't it's move past it. the point well, of. Can't move it. I think also because the Texans would Play be playing a, a night game on Sunday. And they don't care about that. Following it, I don't care about that. That happened to the Bears. That's a big no. That happened to the Bears last year. Traveling home after a night game. That happened to the Bears. I'm telling you, they played a night game, then they played a Thursday night game, and they had a bunch of night games that they got flexed into. Uh, I think it's which is I'm surprised that they didn't flex. Out of that Mitchell Trubisky stuff, because who knows who's going to be But where was the Bears road game? It was probably within the division, Huge. so they only got to fly like I'll go back minutes. and look it up for you, yeah. Drew Doherty. Look at the market three hour I'm just saying, I don't think flight. the NFL is like, oh, you know what? We feel bad for you. I don't think, I mean, they want what's going to get the <laughs> biggest ratings for in them. a little bit, though. No, it doesn't. But it would be do you rough, think it matters? Though. Do you think the NFL cares about your travel schedule? No. Or do they want the biggest rating game? Ratings, 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 ratings. And why a, is Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson not like the thing that everybody wants to I'm about to explain to it to you. Market number two, L.A., market number three, Chicago. Chicago. These yep. are gigantic markets, and they're going to watch the Bears in Chicago, and that alone will inflate the rating enough. Because look at this. Look at, the, look at the pitching matchups we just saw in the World Series. Amazing. And what were the ratings? Not good. Horrible. Horrible. Nationwide, people don't care about Houston and D.C. Watch, versus Boston, New York, yeah. L.A. I mean, th- when, once the Dodgers went out, Major League Baseball was like, oh, no, please, Yankees win. And they didn't do it. And so they got the series that they were not looking for, even though it was a really good series, from an objective standpoint, going seven. Although the games themselves weren't that great. Anyway, we don't have to get into that right now. Clint Sterner is <laughs> our guest. And we've got questions from the crowd, Clint. So if you could adjust your chair oh, here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel like we're a game show sitting here. It's the, it's the rating game. Okay, what's your name? I'm Claudia. Claudia, what's and your question? Hi, how are you? Um, hello, Texans fans, and hello, Texans radio. Oh, right. hi, Claudia. Uh, I have a question, Clint. Okay. What do you miss the most about playing in the NFL? Oh, just playing in general, the, just the camaraderie of, of uh, getting on a plane and going to London or going to, you know, anywhere to play. The, the locker room was uh, really, really, I mean, that, that you can't duplicate that. The real world can't, can't there's no, nothing else that offers that. So I, I would just think the the camaraderie and the time spent with, with players and, and going through the ups and downs of a season. Um, I don't know that I ever loved the game the way you hear guys talk about they love the game. Like talking about Tony Romo and even Deshaun Watson's that way. Deshaun Watson, there is no doubt, is ate up with the game of football. You know, I don't know that I was ever that way. But, boy, being part of a team is super special. And everybody's got their mind on one goal. Uh, so that's the part I miss about it the most. Do you think that hurt you? What you just no. described? No, no, because I mean, I, I I was a student of the game. I mean, okay. I, I I knew, and I never didn't know what I was going into, or I never was unprepared. Um, I, I just I think when you talk about guys that that uh, can can get in the booth right now and, and tell you where the ball is going to be ran, I think those kind of guys are are just they're next level processors during the game. You know, okay. I mean, they're, they're next that they just they're ate up with it. I, it never hurt. As far as I know, it didn't hurt me. I mean, I, okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm if I would have studied like Romo, maybe, maybe <laughs> if I was ate up with it like Deshaun Watson, maybe maybe I did. I have a different um, outlook on it now. I mean, I, I enjoy it studying the game more now than I did when I was playing. Well, you uh, said something funny. Wait, when Parcells said that Romo's going to get your reps, you said that you, would, you handled it pretty well then. You might not yeah. handle it as well now, which is sort of the opposite of what I might think. Why is that? Because uh, uh, now I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I just at the time I, I literally I didn't say okay. I, I, I told him I, I had a, I said coach. I said you've been asking for 
you know, because his big deal was, I don't need you to be a hero. I, I just need you to lead the team, and I need yeah. you to get us in the right play, and yada, yada, yada. And so I told him, I, I said, Coach, I respect your decision. I said, but if you, if you asked your veterans right now who they wanted to be starting, they would all say me. Okay. And he said, I, he said, I can't argue with that right now, but the fact of the matter is, is I got to get this young guy some reps, and you're the ones. You're the, so I handled it very professionally, where now I'd probably – Knowing what I know, like once he told me that at the time, I thought, okay, he's just he's just ribbing me a little bit, right. you know. When he told me that, I I knew like now I would know he's cutting me. I'm done. Yeah, like oh, the right, heck right, with right, you. Right, like I, I, I probably it probably would have ticked me off a little bit rather than just be be professional about it. Okay, hey, you bring up the camaraderie, and we heard earlier about your friendship with Randall Cunningham. Who else were you buddies with back then? Because there were some pretty notable cowboys that were hanging around. Uh, Larry Allen in a really, really awkward, weird way because Larry doesn't talk at all. I was going to say that can't be awkward because he's <laughs> supremely awkward, so right. any any relationship would be awkward. Well, he didn't him. talk to anybody. He didn't go out of his way. Even like Emmett and Troy and all these guys that he won Super Bowls with, he didn't go out of his way to talk to them and, and be friends with them. Because he was too busy them. bench pressing 700 pounds yeah, with a he dip was a in monster. his mouth, right? He was a monster, right? But he... But he he would like he literally I don't know why but he liked me and he'd come over and be like hey man you want to go you want to go to dinner you want to go if we were in camp you want to you go to dinner yeah we'll be at my Hummer in you know in thirty minutes I'd be like okay yeah well we're gonna question him I was like okay that's fine and uh, so Larry, Darren Woodson was a really good friend of mine I'm still close to, to to Darren now one of my one of the best professionals I've ever been around um, Joey Galloway that that was at with the Cowboys then mm-hmm. was was a, a really good friend of mine I'm still close to him to, to this day. He was one of the guys that got me involved in the SEC network with the TV because he's killing it on ESPN college football right now. Um, it, I, I was really close to Emmett when we were there together. Um, not so much anymore. When we were there together, we were, we were really close. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there were several guys that um, were, were really good guys. We just couldn't win many games. All right, let's get more questions from the crowd in here for Clint Sterner at Fuddruckers. What's your name? My name is Thena. Thena. Thank you for being here. Yes, ma'am. I just have a question for you. you you've been on a couple of teams but what is the most uh, memorable NFL game that you played? Oh, well, I mean, there's, there's probably a negative. When I started against the Giants, I started in one against – I started when we beat the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you got to understand, being a kid from Texas, at South Texas at the time, it was like I'm, I'm, I was starting for the Cowboys. I was like, oh, this – you know, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was out of my league, truth be told. But we beat the Arizona Cardinals – and we're going to play the Giants. And Galloway pulls me on the, on the bus over, and we get there, and he, he said, if you ever, you know, if a game ever means something, the Cowboy-Giant game in New York is absolutely huge. You play well today, and you will have, you will have a job, at least as a backup quarterback in this league, for a very, very long time. Well, I go out, and I go 11 of 12 for a touchdown. We're up 24 to 6 at halftime. I come out of halftime, drive right down the field, we're on like the four-yard line going in. I throw another touchdown. They call offensive pass interference. So come back. The next play, I throw an interception Ooh. in the end zone. Ooh. I commence to throw four consecutive interceptions. Oh, this and, hurts. And they beat, us, they beat us in overtime. Oh, this hurts so much. And so that would be my, my most memorable NFL game. So Was that Kerry um, Collins, New York Giants? Yes, it was Kerry Collins, New York Giants. It was Michael Strahan, New York Giants. I always yeah. tell people I, I, I made it to uh, – I got cut for Romo, so that ain't all bad. Right? I mean, he, he ended up being a pretty good quarterback. And then I, then I, I rode uh, Michael Strahan all the way to the Hall of Fame, right? So when he went into the Hall of Fame, they were throwing up steel shots of, of him, action shots of him playing. 
Well, one of them, he was tearing my, he was ripping my head off. So, okay. oh, so I text mom. I said, I, I didn't do too bad after all. Mom, <laughs> I, made, reel. I made it to the Hall of Fame, even <laughs> if it was on Michael Strahan's dime. That's a highlight. All right, Angel, what's your question for Clint Sterner? Uh, based on how teams are playing now, who do you, which two teams do you predict are going to the Super Bowl? Oh, boy. Wow. That's a tough call in the AFC, isn't it? It's very difficult in the, the AFC. <laughs> we had this, con- you know, we had this conversation about the AFC earlier. Is I mean, the, the, the immediate response is is New England because it, you know it's like like talking college ball. Like I'm I'm going to say Alabama's going to win it until yeah. somebody until proves somebody me doesn't. consistently right. proves me wrong. It's fair. But when you look at New England, they got problems on the offensive side of the football. They've given up over I believe it was over 350 yards rushing in the last two games, right? Their defense has. Um, and so there's some serious question marks there. Baltimore is so one-dimensional that if you can shut them down, I'm not sold that Lamar Jackson can beat you with his arm from the pocket. Now, if you let him run around, you got problems. Right. But, but Kansas City is still the team that scares me because they can go in and hang half a hundred four straight games on Once anybody in the league. And Once they get healthy, that's the team that scares me. And then it, I, this week is the first time – and if you guys listen to Sports Radio 610, you, you, you know this. This is the first week that I think it's, it's legitimate to put the Texans in that conversation of, I believe in what they're doing. There's an identity there. They're playing a style of ball that travels well. They're, they're, the defense, they've overcome injuries in a way that you go, this scheme is elite. Um, and if they can just get some guys back, it's not a stretch to think that they're a, a, a real legitimate playoff I don't mean get to the first round and get beat I mean a true playoff caliber team that you better look out for when they get there so I know I hadn't answered your question I don't know where she went um but I I would I would say right now if you put me on the spot which you did I would say New England and golly the does NFC. San Francisco hold up in the postseason or does New Orleans get it together Man, I mean, they have it together I, they, yeah they, no, I can't go with Seattle. I can't go with Garoppolo I, I, I would go I would go with Seattle right now I, I'm a big believer in I, I think right Ooh, okay. now I, I think right now the best RPO run pass option team in the league is the Texans I, I firmly believe wow. that now the only reason that I say that they're better than Seattle is because I believe that Hopkins and Fuller and Steels are better than what uh, than Lockett and Metcalf and now Gordon at least where we sit today those guys are Metcalf is coming around and they're playing right. some good football but right now for me when you're talking about a true run pass option not zone read and and Lamar Jackson keeps it I mean a true I can hand it to the running back I as the quarterback can run it or I can throw it down the field I think Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans offense is the number one RPO team in this league. All right. All right. One more question. Donna, what do you have tonight? That sounds like a song. How was it playing in the NFL of Europe, and how different is it than playing in the NFL here in the States? Ooh, good question. Wow. Yeah. No, it, it was significantly different. The pay, the pay was not near as good. <laughs> Wait, did you belong to the Cowboys? It, was yeah. it that kind of structure when yeah. you played? Okay. So, so each NFL team was required to send over, and I don't remember if it was four or six players, and, and each player was given like a, a, a letter grade. Like I, I was an A player because I was on the roster throughout the year. If it was a practice squad player throughout the year, he was a B player. If it was a guy that spent like eight or more weeks on a team and you picked him back up to send him to Europe, it was a C player. And if it was just a guy you picked up off the streets and said, hey, I need a warm body with a pulse to send to, send to Europe, right. then you were a D player. And, and each team had to send X number of A's, B's, C's, and D's over there. And so luckily both times I was sent over, 
um, I was an A player. And so, uh, but to answer the question is the pay is significantly less. Um, even though the quarterbacks, we got paid more than everybody else. Um, the, the, the food was totally different, obviously. They didn't, I, know, I heard you guys, the Texans, they flew over their food. They didn't fly over our food, so we, we, we had to find – I think there was a KFC in, in Glasgow, Scotland that I, that I ate every single day. Diet was out the window. I was on them chicken strips, baby, and french fries <laughs> all day. Um, not the best fuel for your performance. Yeah, no, right? no, not the best fuel. But it, let's be honest, at that point I wasn't real worried about fuel. Um, I was just eating something that was warm. Um, you know, and, and, and just the accommodations. You know, we literally – how about this? We, when, when I was in Scotland, we, our accommodations were – we're in where all the and I guess you call it Grand Central Station I guess where yeah. all the trains came into Glasgow Scotland was the, the capital and like the trains dead ended under our hotel and the hotel nice. was, was built like no, it would have been, <laughs> been nice for a weekend stay but it wasn't nice it was for like three months constant month. rattling yeah, no, the whole time three months and it was a it was a, a mess man and we, our weight room um, which I've always just part of the reason I was able to survive and play ball so long was that I was just I was a gym rat so I was always working out our our weight room was a um, it, it was a like a morgue like an old morgue from back in the day underneath this I don't know what this hotel used to be right there but there uh-huh. was there was you know where the the ceilings rounded like this and they slide the oh, they would slide all the caskets in the deal now it, it was cemented up there wasn't really caskets there <laughs> I was like is but, that where your dumbbells were you just slide right. the dumbbells yeah, out I mean yeah. that, but that's that's what we had to work out with for three months and then come back oh. and try to make an NFL team right I mean that that's yeah. so really just it, you really had to. To love the game. I questioned my love for the game. I loved the game. I wasn't ate up with the game, I guess right, is the better way right. to put it. If I didn't love the game, I wouldn't have went to Europe. And dang sure wouldn't have lasted three years in Glasgow, I mean, three months in Glasgow, Scotland. But, um, yeah, that, that was, I think the accommodations is probably the biggest, the biggest part of being over in Europe versus, what versus the, here. What were the crowds like when you guys played? Not, I mean, they, they were bigger than you would think. Scotland was, was average in, in the league. I mean, you know, like the, the Frankfurt Germany, the oh, Frankfurt Galaxy. Um, they they had they had they'd sell it out. They, I mean, oh, wow. it, it was it was a it, Germany was where you wanted to be when you were playing. So there's three teams in Germany. There was Barcelona, there was Amsterdam, and there was Scotland. Barcelona had all the beaches, right? And so yep. people wanted right. to go there. And then Frankfurt, Germany, had all the the like it was a great football town. Um, and so yeah, I mean, it was it just depended on where you went. But you either had it, it was either they they could care less about about you or American football, or they were. Literally, they would find out where the team hotel was, which essentially was your house for three months, and they would hang out in the lobby every single day. And so it, it, they were either really crazy or non-existent. So, but it, it, was, it was a very, very cool experience. Did people recognize you when you were out in the streets there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. quarterback, I would imagine you're the most recognizable well, player on the team. Well, I mean, they recognized me because I was a quarterback, but I was not the – got to understand that, that I, don't know, I don't know what the percentages is, are in Scotland, but I would guess it's above 99%. Caucasian, <laughs> and so when, in yeah, well, so when you, well when you bring in a, a, an NFL Europe team, it's yeah. like you got a three hundred pound black guy, the nose guard walking down the street, and they're like, that guy's an American <laughs> footballer right there. There ain't no doubt about it. I mean, Scotland was just it, they're just it, they, I don't know what the again I don't know what the the breakup is there, but I but I, but I bet they're ninety five percent plus. And so when we were there, it was just we stuck out like a sore thumb. All of us did. They weren't as big, you know. I was I was on the bigger side there, so you can imagine sure. what the defensive linemen and stuff like that were. And so, yeah, very, we were very noticeable over there. I don't know if that's a good thing.
Well, and the offenses, they were, tr- they were running NFL stuff. I mean, it, it really looked like the brand of NFL football over there. They wanted you to do that. Yeah, it, I mean, it was really, really good football. They, there were some restrictions on the defensive side of the ball where you couldn't blitz. You know, you could only bring three to one side of the center or the other. You couldn't bring four. Oh, okay. For those of you guys that don't know, it's like if, if that's, a, that's like a, you overload one side or the other uh, in, in every level of football. You watch Sunday. It, when the Texans want to blitz and get pressure, They'll bring, they'll bring four guys to the left side, the center's left side all the way over. They'll bring four that way or four this way to get pressure. And they couldn't do that in the league. Um, and, Was that and, so the NFL teams could get like basic evaluations of you guys well, and not get skewed? No, or? I think it was because you, you know, it was a developmental league. And, and the goal was to go over there and develop guys, not go over there and have a coach that had a better scheme and, and could yeah. sack me 15 times. If I wanted to get sacked 15 times, I did that at Arkansas when we went and played Florida. I, don't want to do it. I didn't need to do it in Europe. Speaking of bringing pressure, when you see Deshaun Watson uh, on film, I feel like every single week he's making highlights uh, that just ooh and ah. Even in London, people were ooing and eyeing some of the plays that he made. That one lateral, I guess it was a lateral, to Carlos Hyde. When you see plays like Deshaun doing that, you talk about staying on script, not going off script, but what are you you thinking when you see him making some of these miraculous plays? Houdini-esque escapes. Well, I mean, again, I think the, the, the biggest key for him and, and Bill O'Brien and this offensive staff, Tim Kelly and guys, is to understand, like, I, that's great, and you, you've won some games with it, and it's fun, and it's, all, it, it, it's great for our team to be on Sports Center all night long. But when it's all said and done, you've got to limit the number of times that that happens, right? And, and what I really like about what you see with Deshaun is when he gets in trouble now, the majority of the time, it's because he's held on to it too long. But he's held on to it too long in, in, a, in a good situation where they're only bringing four down linemen and he, his offensive line's doing a great job. Well, he just holds on it too long. One of them slide off of a block, and now they've got one arm on him. Where if you go back and watch some of the old film – Deshaun Watson's holding the football when they're bringing an extra extra blitzer and you don't have anybody to protect that. You don't have a helmet to block that guy. And so now all of a sudden that's a knockout punch where right now he just got some old boy over there slap boxing a little bit and he can, he can throw the ball when that guy's doing that all day long. But when it's, when it's free blitzers, that's when you're in trouble. That's when you get strip sacks. That's when, that's when bad things happen. And so I'm not as, as bothered by it when you see it now, other than now it's still, it's, you're scared he's going to get injured taking those hits. Good metaphor with the boxing. I love it. All right, so Clint Sterner, every afternoon, Monday through Friday, Sports Radio 610, 2 to 6. You want to hear this guy, obviously, and it's been such a treat to have you here today, my friend. Again, thank you guys for having me, man. It's, it's, it's really cool to be back in the city doing what I'm doing and hanging with you guys is, is a blessing. Thank you guys so and much. And our post-game shows, too. How about it for Clint? Texans All Access coming up next here for Fuddruckers. Go Texans! This is Texans Radio. Want to start an argument with sports fans? Ask who should be the MVP. Everybody has an opinion. This player does this and that player does that. And I could be persuaded either way. But when it comes to an MVP of MPG, yeah, miles per gallon, I made my choice. Chevron with Tecron. Why? Well, number one, it's proven. No gasoline gets better mileage. Number two, no gasoline has more cleaning power to help keep vital engine parts clean. Unbeatable mileage, unbeatable cleaning. You can't argue with that. Chevron with Tecron. Care for your car. The Houston Texans scratch ticket from the Texas Lottery is your ticket for a chance to win up to $100,000. And it's your opportunity to enter promotional drawings for a chance to win an away game trip on a private plane, VIP season tickets, luxury suite tickets to a home game, and more. So get your Houston Texans scratch ticket today. 
Houston NFL Holdings LP. All rights reserved. For detailed game odds and information, visit txlottery.org or call 800-375-6886. Must be 18 or older to purchase a ticket or enter a promotional second chance drawing. Play responsibly. Play responsibly. Play responsibly. Play responsibly.